Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Well, this is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. I'm Doc Burkhart. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. Rick Wiles will be joining us from his home here in just a few moments. Our top news stories today include an explosive report about CNN sending its news reports to Israel for their approval. More updates on Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin's mysterious hospitalization. News about Sweden preparing for war with Russia, Chinese ICBMs filled with water, and gray space aliens at a Miami shopping mall. We'll be talking about it today. Let's connect with Rick Wiles at his home right now. Hello, Rick. Uh, hey. Good afternoon, and welcome to True News. Hey, Doc. I'm going to watch this show. <laughs> I mean, This is True News, isn't it? Let, let's start with the gray space aliens. <laughs> If people don't know about it, this is the big story here in Florida. Right. The the uh, twenty foot tall uh, grays that were walking around at the Bay Bayside um, uh, marketplace. We'll get to that later in the program. By the way, the reason I'm home is today is my wife Susan's medical procedure for her kidney stones, so I'm staying home today. And um, uh, so I, I, we hey, it's great with technology. We yes. we can stream from any location these days. So, uh, Doc, let's start with the uh, the Intercept news organization published uh, two reports. This first one, coverage of Gaza war in the New York Times and other major newspapers heavily favored Israel. Analysis shows. Well, this is this is nothing uh, shocking or new, uh, but we're, we're going to start with this this report, and then we're going to take you into the really explosive report, which is about CNN sending its news reports to Israel for approval before they tr they they broadcast them in the United States. That's right, Rick. So starting with this first intercept story here, the New York Times, Washington Post, and Los Angeles Times coverage of Israel's war in Gaza has showed a consistent bias against Palestinians, according to an intercept analysis of major news coverage. The print media outlets, which play an influential role in shaping U.S. views of the Israel-Palestinian conflict, paid little attention to the unprecedented impact of Israel's siege and bombing campaign on both children and journalists in the Gaza Strip. Now, major newspapers in the U.S. disproportionately emphasize Israeli deaths in the conflict, which has been obvious. It used emotive language to describe the killing of Israelis, but not Palestinians, and offered lopsided coverage of anti-Semitic acts in the U.S. while largely ignoring anti-Muslim racism in the wake of October 7th. Now, highly emotive terms for the killing of civilians like slaughter, massacre, and horrific were reserved almost 
exclusively for Israelis who were killed by Palestinians rather than the other way around. Now, when the terms appeared in quotes rather than the editorial voice of the publication, they were admitted from, uh, they were, were omitted from that analysis. Now, the term slaughter was used by editors and reporters to describe the killing of Israelis versus Palestinians 60 to 1. Massacre was used to describe the killing of Israelis versus Palestinians 125 to 2. And horrific was used to describe the killing of Israelis versus Palestinians 36 to 4. Rick, the the coverage has been obviously lopsided. There's been uh, you, you'd have to be a blind man not to see the bias in all of this. Uh, so that's nothing new. But what is uh, new information now is coming out that various media organizations, specifically for the Intercept article, CNN, has been running their news reports past IDF censors in Israel. As you see this headline here, this CNN runs Gaza coverage past Jerusalem team operating under shadow of IDF censor. It's not surprising, not shocking, but it's interesting that this is now right here in the open. Right. So we, you know, we know about uh, what's called the five eyes, which is the the uh, intelligence agencies of the United States, Canada, Great Britain, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, so they share intelligence. What we're hearing today through the Intercept uh, report is something called Jerusalem Second Eyes. And Second Eyes is run from the Israeli military and CNN submits its news reports about Israel and Gaza and anything in the Middle East to Jerusalem Second Eyes for its approval. Right. So nothing goes out on CNN unless Israel approves it. It's stunning. I mean, it, it. I'm not surprised. What is amazing is that we now have evidence of what we've long suspected. Yes. It's not just bias among the reporters and the editors. But, but you know, like they write from their own their own uh, worldview. No, they actually submit the news to Israel to be reviewed and approved. And it's not limited to just those reporters or uh, or those that are doing coverage within Israel and Gaza itself. We're talking anywhere on the globe. They have to submit stories for review. Uh, the Intercept yes. article says whether reporting from the Middle East, the U.S., or anywhere else across the globe, every, every CNN journalist covering Israel and Palestine must submit their work for review by the news organization's bureau in Jerusalem – prior to publication. And apparently this is under a long-standing CNN policy. Now, while CNN says the policy is meant to ensure what they say is accuracy in reporting on a polarizing subject, it means that much of the network's recent coverage of the war in Gaza and its reverberations around the world has been shaped by journalists who operate under the shadow of that country's, of Israel's, military censor. And like all foreign news organizations operating in Israel, CNN's Jerusalem Bureau is subject to the rules of the IDF's censor, which dictates subjects that are off-limits for the news organizations to cover, and it also censors articles it deems unfit or what they say is unsafe to print. And on thought, don't, don't, you think, don't you think CNN has a journalistic responsibility to, to disclose to the public? that 
their news reporting has been sent to Israel for review and approval. I would absolutely think they would. But if they do that, they're probably even told not to do that by the Israeli well, censors, course, too. Yeah. So, uh, but, I, but, but transparent, you know, these leftist organizations, they, they love to talk about transparency. Well, let's have some transparency in news reporting. I, I don't I don't submit my news to any government agency to, before I report it. That's obvious. But CNN does. Yes. Anything that's about Israel or Palestine has to go to the CN, CNN Jerusalem office. And you can you can be sure that the people working in the CNN office in Jerusalem are Israeli PSYOP agents. Oh, and some aren't just, uh, you know, embedded in there. Some are actually right out in front. The Intercept article goes on to say, on top of the official and unspoken rules for reporting from Israel, CNN recently issued directives to its staff on specific language to use and avoid when reporting on violence in the Gaza Strip. Now, listen to this, Rick. The network also hired a former soldier from the IDF's military spokesperson unit to actually serve as a reporter at the onset of the war. That's that's a PSYOP agent. That's right. But they're not even hiding it. They just say, yeah, we, we're going to you have to have this reporter reporting on what's happening in Gaza. Now, the policy of running stories about Israel or the Palestinians past the Jerusalem Bureau has been in place for years. That's according to a CNN spokesperson. It is simply down to the fact that there are many unique and complex local nuances, what they're saying, that warrant extra security uh, scrutiny to make sure our reporting is as precise and accurate as possible. Doc, going back to 9-11-2001, the start of the Iraq War 2003, we reported on True News back then that CNN had U.S. Army PSYOP agents in its Atlanta news office. Yes. So CNN has been working with military units, propaganda units, for decades, maybe since its beginning. Well, one member of CNN staff who spoke to The Intercept on the condition of anonymity for fear of professional reprisal said that the internal review policy has had a demonstrable impact on coverage of the Gaza war. Since every single Israeli-Palestine-related line for reporting must seek approval from the Jerusalem Bureau, or when the Bureau is not staffed, from a select few handpicked by the Bureau and senior management, from which lines are most often edited with a very specific nuance, obviously, that favors uh, the Israeli narratives. Now, okay, let's, let's, wait, let's go back to just the, that first sentence. Every single Israel-Palestine-related line for reporting must seek approval from the Jerusalem Bureau. Every single line. Nothing is said on CNN about Israel or Palestine that was not first approved in Israel. Yes. Gee, who controls the media? Is that is that a is that a conspiracy theory to say that Jews control the American news media? In this case, they absolutely control the information that CNN is putting out. 
CNN doesn't put out anything related to Israel or Gaza without the approval of the IDF and by secondhand Mossad. And so, yes, they control the narrative on this particular situation. So it goes on to say this shaky arrangement has long existed between the IDF and domestic and foreign press, forcing many journalists to frequently self-censor their reporting for fear of running afoul of prohibited subjects, losing their press credentials, and potentially being forced to offer a public apology. Boy, boy, let's stand up. There's so much in this stuff. This arrangement has long existed between the IDF censor and American domestic and foreign news reporters. It How long? Forces, it, forces, <laughs> it forces reporters to self-censor their own reporting because they fear offending the Zionists. Yes. They fear, lo- they fear losing their press credentials. What happened to True News when we started reporting about topics that were forbidden? We were suddenly the White House locked down our press credentials. Right. Who did it? Well, I think we I think it's obvious, isn't it? And then also the reporters fear that they will be forced to offer a public apology. How many times do we see people apologizing? for their their reporting or their tweets and you know that they don't re- you know that they don't really believe their apology but they've been forced to apologize to keep their job right they don't believe Who does it, it? Yeah. well Who's obviously forcing them to apologize it's the zionists in israel absolutely now, CNN, like other American broadcasters, has repeatedly agreed to submit footage recorded in Gaza to the military censor prior to it airing in exchange for limited access to the Strip. And that draws criticism from those who say the censor is providing a filtered view of events unfolding on the, on the ground. Well, of course they are. CNN's, in other words, you're not going to see any burned babies. That's right. You are not going to see you're, you are not going to see the real tragedy of Gaza, at least not from CNN or any American news outlet. Now, the Intercept article goes on to say that CNN's team in Jerusalem are the people closest to the Israeli government. They came out and said that. Uh, And says, in a situation where a government has been credibly accused of singling out journalists for violent attacks in order to suppress information, which Israel has, to give that government a heightened role in deciding what is news and what isn't news is really, really disturbing. And there has been a major crackdown on a number of journalists. Some journalists may have even been targeted by the IDF uh, for uh, violence against them. Now, the language of the directors mirrors similar orders from CNN management at the start of the war in Afghanistan back in 2001 when Chair Walter Isaacson offered for, ordered foreign correspondents at the network to play down civilian deaths and remind readers that the violence they were witnessing was a direct result of the attacks of September 11th. So this has been going on for a very, very, very long time, Rick. Uh, it has. Uh, Doc, I want to drop down to, uh, it says, uh, according to her, uh, well, this is talking about um, a CNN, this is the, the, the former IDF soldier. Her name was Tamar uh, Michaelis. Michaelis, yes. 
All right. So she worked for CNN. But you were never told that she was an IDF propagandist. Right. The Intercept said her Facebook profile showed that she worked in the IDF spokesperson unit, a division of the Israeli military responsible for carrying out positive public relations domestically and abroad for Israel. Um, the spokesperson unit was forced to issue a public apology in Israel last year for conducting psychological operations, psyops, against the Israeli population. Yes, and that came from accusations from Israeli citizens. Uh, so now Makala has, uh, recently has recently locked her profile, which does not indicate her dates of service in the IDF. And, of course, she hasn't responded uh, to a request for comment. Now, the uh, previous oh. CNN staff member described how the policy basically works in practice. War crime and genocide are taboo words. You can't say those words, the person said. Israeli bombings in Gaza will be reported as blast attributed to nobody until the Israeli military weighs in to either accept or deny responsibility. And then, quotes and information provided by Israeli army and government officials tend to be approved quickly, while those from Palestinians, of course, tend to be heavily scrutinized and slowly processed. And we've seen this pattern wow. over and over again. Uh, yes. The most recent uh, uh, example of this is that showed a uh, a story of a bullet hit an ambulance and killed a child inside. Well, it didn't say where the bullet came from, but the bullet happened to come from an IDF soldier's gun that killed a child in an ambulance. But it wasn't the IDF soldier that did it. It was the bullet, the bullet that entered the ambulance and went in there and killed that child. Uh, so, and you had to guess where the bullet came from. Right. So it's not just it's not just a war on truth through, through uh, psyops. Israel is also conducting a war on reporters, literally a war. The Washington Post said that according to a tally maintained by the Committee to Protect Journalists, at least 79 news reporters and employees have been killed in Gaza right. since October 7. So Local Palestinians put that number above 100. Uh, the Washington Post said, in either case, it's the single biggest death toll for news reporters in a war zone for years. One out of every 10 journalists in Gaza has already been killed. 10 percent, Doc. You, If you go to Gaza as a reporter, there is a high probability you're going to die in Gaza. And another uh, aspect of that, too, the war in Ukraine has been going on for now over two years that more journalists have died in Gaza in the past few months than died in, have died in the entire time of the Ukraine conflict. Yes. Hey, Doc, you know, our next one, I think I'm going to hold this, the uh, low-key um, expose of Piers Morgan and Ben Shapiro and uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, I think I'm going to hold it till tomorrow because it's, it's 12 minutes long. And I... I don't know if we're going to have enough time to get to everything. So let's hold that number four, number five. Okay. Um, let's hold it till tomorrow. And we'll continue this theme of the Israeli influence on American news media. Now, uh, number six is CNBC. The United States slams the meritless 
Israel genocide lawsuit reigniting tensions with South Africa. And uh, CNBC says the uh, South Africa's genocide accusation against Israel has placed further strain on an already frayed relationship with the United States that could have serious diplomatic ramifications. The International Court of Justice will this week hear a case brought by South Africa that accuses Israel of committing genocide against Palestinians during the assault on the Gaza Strip. The suit also seeks an emergency suspension of the military campaign. U.S. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said the lawsuit is meritless, counterproductive, completely without basis, in fact, whatsoever. And he also, or Israel, has called it blood libel. <laughs> Had to throw that one out there, didn't they? Yeah, I got it. Well, yeah, it's bloody, but it's the Palestinians that are bleeding. Uh, Joe Biden was um, in a church, an AME church, uh, campaigning, and he got heckled by people demanding that the war in Gaza be brought to a stop. This is the New York Post. Biden tells hecklers he's pushing Israel to significantly get out of Gaza. Doc, I, I, I thought that was important, that Joe Biden let it slip in that church while he was being heckled, that he is pushing Israel to get significantly out of Gaza. Right. In other words, look, we, the U.S., we, you know, Joe Biden's saying, look, I've got problems here in America. I, I can't keep sending bombs and money to Israel. You guys have got to shut it down. And let's face it, Joe Biden has always been beholden to the far left in the Democratic Party. And that's where most of the outcry on the situation in Gaza has been going on. And President Biden told hecklers at that campaign event on Monday that he's quietly pushing Israel to significantly get out of Gaza, as Rick said, making the disclosure just days after Israeli authorities moved to reduce troop levels in the Palestinian territory. Now, President Biden's Monday statement came after months of large protest against him and a campaign by Muslim Americans to oppose his reelection, including a raucous uh, November 4th rally outside the White House where protesters chanted Genocide Joe and smeared red handprints on the front gates. Uh, polls show younger voters, Arab Americans and Muslim Americans in particular, traditionally heavily Democratic voting groups, strongly oppose President Biden's pro-Israel stance. And in public remarks, President Biden's subordinates until now have continued to voice uh, support for Israel's invasion of Gaza, but that might be changing. We have a clip of that appearance at the AME church uh, uh, yesterday as uh, President Biden spoke and as he responded to hecklers. Watch this. Without light, there's no path from this darkness. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I understand their. I understand their passion, and I've been quietly working. I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out of Gaza. I'm using all that I can to do. He didn't take on his grandpa, mean grandpa Joe persona in responding no. to that this time, did he? 
Um, no, he in the back of his mind, he's saying the Democratic Party is split between the Israel supporters and the Palestinian supporters. And it's not going to be as easy to campaign this time as he thought it was going to be. So uh, the Democrats are running into problems. They get two competing groups, the, the Jewish Democrats and the Muslim Democrats. And they're not going to be able to appease both groups. Doc, this, um, I've got to, the, the next two reports are very interesting. First, Telegraph. Confidential U.S. report finds Israel unlikely to win against Hezbollah on second front. Do you think that's this was the, based on? Oh, so go, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, do you think that's the message that Anthony Blinken is sending all throughout the Middle East this week on his uh, Middle East world tour? Oh, I think he took a copy of that report with him. Uh the Telegraph said Israel is unlikely to win a war against the Lebanese group Hezbollah if it decides to open a new front on its northern border, according to a confidential report by U.S. intelligence. Well, that intelligence agency is the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA. And it found that the Israeli Defense Force would be stretched by fighting on two fronts with the Israeli Air Force already overworked. Uh, it says that IDF pilots would face far more dangerous missions going up against Hezbollah because Hezbollah has powerful air defenses, whereas the Palestinians don't. Now, the next story is the London Times. And I, I found this last night, Doc, I, it wasn't on the front page this morning. I'm glad I captured it. Saudi Arabia ready to back U.S. airstrikes on Houthi rebels in Yemen. And when you read that, what does that say to you? Well, that says that it's something that's changed here recently because uh, Saudi Arabia has been sitting back on its haunches here until recently. Uh, what do you think has changed in the atmosphere, Rick? Well, does that imply to you that Saudi Arabia is going to be militarily involved in attacking Yemen? It implies that, but it doesn't come out and say that, does it? It doesn't. When you read the article, it doesn't say anything like that. But when you see the headline, it implies Saudi Arabia is going to help the United States bomb Yemen. I read the article. It doesn't say anything other than the first sentence says Saudi Arabia is among a number of Middle Eastern countries telling the West they back strikes against the Houthis in Yemen. Now, also, take a, for those that are listening to us on uh, shortwave and everything, you're not seeing the image that's on the screen right now. The image on the screen is, of course, the leader of the Houthi rebels uh, on a placard. But the main focus of the image on the screen in this London Times report is a child, child maybe eight, nine years old, holding up a knife uh, and... That's the implication. You know, it's the same implication that they were doing against the Gazans. There are no innocents among the Houthis either, Rick. Uh, they're they're planning course, on something big. Children have to, you have to, the, the message from Israel and the U.S. news media is you have to shoot children. Yes. Yesterday, they said that Israeli forces found toy guns near a tunnel. 
toy guns. Yes, toy Kalashnikovs and and training yes. videos or or training manuals or something. So that just proves that you you have to get rid of the children too. And this image that we have on the screen right now is an another uh, uh, you know a layer of that propaganda that's being laid. But Saudi Arabia is a among a number of Middle Eastern countries telling the West that they back strikes against the Houthis in Yemen, whose attacks on shipping in the Red Sea have diminished commercial traffic in the vital waterway. Now, any action against the rebels in Yemen would coincide with attempts by the U.S. to prevent the war in Gaza between Israel and Hamas from spreading to the west of the region. Now, the Palestinian group's allies in Lebanon Iran and Iraq have targeted Israel as well as U.S. bases in the area and shipping in the Red Sea. And as we mentioned, Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, is on a world tour right now visiting the region in the hope of containing the war. Now, Secretary Blinken, on a stop in the UAE before traveling to Saudi Arabia, said he emphasized the importance of preventing further spread of the conflict. And that's according to an American summary of the meeting. Now, Saudi state media reported that he met Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman in Al-Ulna in North Jeddah on Monday with the Saudi leader pushing against uh, again for an end to the war in Gaza. Uh, yes, that's what Mr. Blinken heard. Yes. It wasn't it wasn't the 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 Saudis saying, "Hey, let's expand this war and bomb Yemen." The Saudis were telling Anthony Blinken, it's time to stop the war. Yes, that's the heart of it right there, isn't it, Rick? That is it right there. And then when you get down to uh, uh, the paragraph says Arab governments, though not supportive of Hamas, have been pushing the United States to pressure Israel into ending the war, which has inflamed public opinion in the region, the Middle East. In Jordan, King Abdullah urged Blinken to press for an immediate ceasefire warning of the war's catastrophic repercussions the royal court said in a statement doc last week when you, you were you were uh, away for a couple of days when you were sick with the cold there was one article that we reported from from aman the jordanian foreign affairs minister said that jordan was preparing a legal document with the support of 43 arab nations that would be submitted to the International Court of Justice in The Hague, accusing Israel of war crimes. This is in addition to the South Africa uh, oh, yes. proposal? So, so 43 Arab nations are going to submit a basically a, you know, a friend of the court you know, document saying we, we are in support of the South African lawsuit against Israel. You don't see this news being reported anywhere. What, you're he what we're hearing is the, the Saudis are ready to bomb Yemen. They're not ready to bomb Yemen. It's going the opposite way. Now, we've been talking about World War III in the Middle East, and it is World War III. Everything we're talking about here is about the war spreading to other nations. The next story is about World War III in Europe. Right. Doc, have you ever heard, have you ever read a headline that Swedes are being told to prepare for war? 
only when the Vikings were around, maybe. I mean, that that's it. I mean, you, when you think of Sweden, the last thing you think about is, you know, having to take an aggressive stance and prepare for all-out war. That's the last country that you think about. And yet well, top, here's, top here's, Swedish here's, officials oh, are saying just that. Yeah, uh, RT, Swedes told to prepare for war. And what was it uh, just a couple of weeks ago? The highest-ranking Dutch army officer told the Dutch to prepare for war. Now the Swedes are being told to prepare for war. Is anybody telling the American people to prepare for war? No, just us. We are. We do it every day. Let's go ahead and let's look at this RT article. Well, top Swedish officials have urged the country's citizens to prepare for a potential war, not just general politicians, but the citizens themselves, amid rising tensions with Moscow. Uh, the statements were made at the Fokak Phosphor National Conference in Salon. In a speech on Sunday, Foreign Minister Tobias Billstrom hailed the country's expected membership in NATO as the biggest change in Swedish security policy in more than 200 years. But Bilstrin warned that Russia will constitute a serious threat to the security of Sweden and Europe for the foreseeable future. He added that Stockholm must be realistic and assume and be prepared for a drawn-out confrontation. And echoing that sentiment, Defense Minister Powell Johnson said war can also come to us, claiming that Ukraine is acting as Europe's shield in the conflict with Russia. Now, Prime Minister Ulf Kirstensen announced recently that 800 Swedish soldiers will be deployed in Latvia next year to reinforce the 2,000 Canada-led troops stationed there as part of the military bloc's enhanced forward presence in the Baltic states. Now, speaking on his country's future role in NATO at the same annual conference last year, Kirstensen said, having nuclear weapons on our own territory in peacetime is in the cards. Think we're talking about putting nuclear weapons in Sweden to deter yes. the Russians. The Russians aren't going to sit back and let that happen, just like they wouldn't let it happen in Ukraine. Swedes would not have to prepare for war. Dutch would not have to prepare for war if the European-American ruling class were not allowed to run foreign policy. Right. They've created this mess. And, and so what, what these um, politicians don't tell their citizens, they should say, because we're idiots, <laughs> we've created such a mess that we're probably going to be in a nuclear war. We're total idiots. We, we've ruined the world. And you better go ahead and get ready for it. They don't talk like that, but that's what they should be saying. Because there's no reason for this to happen. Have you ever heard the Russian leader saying, Sweden must be crushed. It must be destroyed. <laughs> or that Sweden was a threat to Russia. No, the only threat to <coughs> Russia is NATO itself. Uh, Russia sits there yes. and thinks NATO's going to invade them. That's Whether you believe it or not, whether you think that's the case or not, doesn't matter. But the Russians believe it, and that's the Russians but are telling their people that. And then the NATO officials went to Switzerland, I mean, went to Sweden and Finland and said, you better join our club because the Russians are going to get you. That's right. And then the Swedes and the and the Finns said they are. They're going to come after. Oh, yes. You're next. Oh, yes. They're going to come after. You better join NATO. 
Well, the moment they joined NATO, they told the Russians, hey, we have joined the organization that plans to invade you. <laughs> That's right. So crazy. Now, now folks, this next article, uh, this is this is amazing. This is Bloomberg. All right. The headline, you, you wouldn't really see much with the headline. U.S. intelligence shows flawed China missiles led Xi Jinping to purge the army. Now, when they say flawed, you might think, well, they got their own color paint on them or, you know, something. <laughs> not not what we're going to be sharing with you here in the next few months. Yeah, like, they, they, you know, the, 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 the flag decal was crooked. No, that's not what they're talking about. It's, it's when you read the article that, you, that your mouth, your jaw drops down. So it says, U.S. intelligence indicates that President Xi Jinping's sweeping military purge Remember this talk when they, he kept firing generals right. and, and defense ministers? They kept disappearing or being fired. And the the, it says, the the guy in charge of his rocket division and everything. I remember those stories, yes. Yeah. We were like, what is – we were saying, oh, this is signs that Xi Jinping is is uh, preparing for war, and he's, he's, he's upset that the generals aren't ready to fight yet. But according to this report by Bloomberg, the sweeping military purge came after it, it emerged that widespread corruption undermined Xi Jinping's efforts to modernize the Chinese armed forces and raise questions about China's ability to fight a war. Now, it says the corruption inside China's rocket force and throughout the nation's defense industrial base is so extensive that U.S. officials now believe Xi is less likely to contemplate major military action in the coming years than would otherwise have been the case. According to people who asked not to be named discussing the intelligence. <laughs> so what this is saying is that what Xi, Xi Jinping discovered was so bad that he had to postpone on his calendar his plans to go to war with America. Because his his own administration, his own military was so corrupt. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, wait till the you hear this. The next paragraph. Go ahead, Doc. Read it. The U.S. assessment cited several examples of the impact of that graft, including, listen to this, missiles filled with water instead of fuel, and vast fields of missile silos in western China with lids that don't function in a way that would allow the missiles to launch effective. Kind of an important thing. Uh, if you're going to launch a missile, having the lid open up to, to let the missile go would be a high priority, I would think. Now, hey, the, my, my, my grandson has a rocket that is filled with water. I mean, you, you know, the kids have rockets. You, fill, you, you pump them with water and you, you shoot them up in the air. Is that the they're idea water, that they had behind that? <laughs> they're, they're, they're water-propelled rockets. You know, they go up about 10, 15 feet. So, so they discovered that the Chinese ICBMs had no fuel, no rocket fuel. They were filled with water. <laughs> it's just incredible. Doc, why? Why would the Chinese military fill their ICBMs with water? Because they've already sold the fuel somewhere else, and they're pocketing the oh. money. And then they had they had lids on the silos that wouldn't open. 
I, this is so bizarre. It is really bizarre. They so the Chinese military officers were selling the rocket fuel on a black market. Now, I got to tell you, Doc, if if our CIA or DIA, if they had any role in this, then honestly, everybody involved deserves a pay raise. Because this is one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. Like, can you imagine at the CIA, somebody said, what if we could pay Chinese military leaders to, to sell, sell us, us rocket, rocket fuel, fuel <laughs> and convince them to put water? I mean... How many bottles of tequila would it take to come <laughs> up with that idea? I mean, but it it worked. Somebody did it. If this story is true, that this look this this also could be psyops, right? It could be another level this, of propaganda against us. No, 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 no. This could be. Well, now that's true, Doc. It's true. I'm thinking that it could be U.S. psyops against the Chinese military, saying, "Hey, look." You guys aren't ready to fight a war. But it also could be Chinese psyops to make us believe their rockets are filled with water. Now you got me wondering. It was just a funny story. Now um, it gets kind of scary, doesn't it? Because you yeah. don't know. We And because the psyops are so great now. And if, if Beijing Biden is truly owned by the Chinese then this would be an opportunity for us to get our defenses down and everything and don't think of the Chinese as a legitimate threat. Uh, if they should make a play against Taiwan or, or in the uh, you know, uh, South China Sea or anything like that, that we wouldn't stand up to it. We wouldn't anyway. Uh, but this just, once again, says, you know, yeah, sure, we're weak. You don't have to worry about us and then come out blazing it someday. Yeah. Hey, Doc, so we got about 15 minutes re remaining in this hour, and we've got to get to the space alien grays story. So we, we might have to skip over a couple of things because I've, we, get, we have to talk about the grays. That's, that's all there is to it. <clears throat> Let's do an update on, on Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. He was released from the ICU today. Wow, that's well. That's wonderful. I'm glad. Well, I'm glad that. But he's apparently, he's still in the hospital now. Rick, how do we know? We don't, and nobody has yet to say what's wrong with him. And right. I heard a U.S. senator today say, "I have no idea what's wrong with the defense secretary. Nobody will tell me." Has, has anyone gone to see Secretary Austin? I mean, like maybe somebody from the apparently white house not. or somebody from the senate to go apparently say not. how you doing hey i brought you a get well card and some flowers uh you know uh, get well Doc, soon apparently not so There's, rick how do i even know he any... how, how do i even know he's still alive i don't how know how do we know the great maybe the graves took him <laughs> you're telling maybe, me no maybe one has they... talked to him or seen him Doc, what if he was taken up in an alien abduction and they removed body parts from him? How do you know? You don't this know because they're the not Grays telling us anything. The, the Grays showed up at the same time he was in the ICU. Okay, so let's get serious. Washington Post, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. 
was moved out of intensive care as Democrats and Republicans intensified their calls for accountability. Austin remains under doctor's supervision at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Maryland. He was taken there by ambulance January 1st with, while in severe pain, following complications from a December 22nd medical procedure. But their halting explanation of this situation, says the Washington Post, and Austin's lack of transparency have only amplified the scrutiny following revelations that Austin's senior staff declined to disclose the issue to the White House. So they're throwing his secretary, I mean, office secretary, they're throwing Lloyd Austin's office secretary under the bus. That the senior staff the, didn't do it. Yes. The, the, this, the office secretary was, uh, the scheduling secretary was sick with a cold. And that person was responsible. Well, no, the, sec- the the defense secretary was responsible to tell people. Yes. And then this, the seniors, the highest official under the secretary of defense was responsible to notify the White House. So uh, I didn't know this. I was, I was just looking at the headline here, Doc. You, uh, you found us, uh, House Republicans to file impeachment articles against Lloyd Austin? Yes. Uh, Matt Rosendale of Montana, Republican from Montana, says he plans to target Austin today as fallout continues over the Pentagon's delayed disclosure about Austin being ha- hospitalized uh, last week. Rosedale told uh, Fox News Digital in a statement that he believes Austin violated his oath of office on multiple occasions, citing the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan, the migrant crisis at the border, the Chinese spy balloon incident, and now throw this on top of it as well. And uh, so he's ready to move forward in uh, introducing articles uh, of impeachment very, very soon. Um, yeah, Senator Rand Paul also had some comments about the defense secretary's unexplained absence. Let's watch this. The doctrine joins us now. Senator, what stands out to Come you that's most extraordinary about this story? I think it's unknown what medical procedure he had or what the complications are, but I think what seems to be certain is it depicts a Biden administration that's very aloof, sort of a figurehead, that Biden is a figurehead and other people are doing the work, and that if an important person like the Secretary of Defense goes missing for a week or two, no big deal. We don't need to bother the president with this because he's really not in charge anyway. That's my first impression. The second impression, though, is is that you know the secretary is 70 years old, obviously overweight, good chance he has diabetes. You know, there's a lot of complicating factors here, and he ought to just own up to it. It's not, you know, everybody gets older, everybody has health problems, but he probably should own up to it if they're life-threatening. And even an elective procedure like having your gallbladder removed could lead to an infection and could be life-threatening. But uh, I think it's better to own up because if people, if you don't tell people the truth, they're going to speculate even worse. The real question here, though, is did, in Secretary Austin doing all this, Rick, did he break the law. I like the way Reuters did an article on this. They they said, did uh, Secretary Austin break the rules by... Not uh, the rules, the law. Yeah, the, they, but their headline says the rules, but it's actually the law. There's a law that's in place that the Secretary of Defense has to inform people if, if he's going to be gone. I mean, he, every... <laughs> 
every job has that rule, basically. But this is written in United States Code. Uh, we have uh, this from Cornell Law School that, uh, you know, th- there's an actual law on this. Now, uh, legal experts said Austin may have violated a U.S. law on reporting of vacancies that requires executive agencies to report top-level absences and the names of anyone serving in an active capacity to both houses of Congress. Both houses of Congress, Rick. Uh, the law is largely procedural and does not spell out any penalties for lapses. Uh, the actual law itself says that the head of each executive agency shall submit to the Comptroller General of the United States and to each House of Congress notification of a vacancy in an office to which this section, this law applies, and the date of that vacancy, and the name of any person serving in an acting capacity and the date such service begin immediately upon designation. In other words, just to put it in uh, shorthand here, there is an actual law in place that required Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin not just to inform his boss, uh, President Joe Biden, but also to inform both houses of Congress about his vacancy, which makes sense. He is, you know, he's the linchpin of the U.S. military. He is, uh, uh, you know, uh, answerable only to the commander in chief. You would think that this position of all positions would be one that would be required to give an answer to both houses of Congress. What, what if he died on the operating table? I mean, these are legitimate questions. It it just shows you the total disrespect that Democrats have for the law. The law is only there to be used as a weapon. They, 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 They practice lawfare. They use federal law to go after their enemies, after their opponents, but they don't want to obey the law. Yes, you got and they it. choose and pick which laws they want to obey and when. Hey, we're minutes away. I'm telling you, I can't ignore the grays. Uh, we we didn't get to it yesterday, and let's skip down. Man, there's so much stuff to talk about. Uh, Anthony Fauci being questioned behind closed doors about Again. why he approved money to China. That's going on right now. Uh. They found tunnels beneath a synagogue, Chabad tunnels. Yes. Uh, in in Brooklyn, uh, you know, we'll save that for we'll save that for tomorrow. I want to get down to number twenty six. This is, folks. This happened over the weekend. Uh, it's big news here in Florida, but I don't know if anybody around the country knows about it. CBS News, Miami. This. Rumors of shadow aliens at Bayside Marketplace go viral after large fight among teens creates chaos. I'm not sure that there was a large fight among teenagers. I looked at that video and I've not seen some kind of riot at the mall. Um, We're going to show you a clip from a CBS uh, Miami television affiliate. This is their report. This is how they spun the story. There's a lot of stuff on social media about it. And what the people who were at the mall are saying something different than what the police and the news media are saying. Let's watch the CBS report. 
rumors of aliens invading Miami are going viral on social media. This is for real, folks. The conspiracy theory stems from a large police presence at Bayside Marketplace on New Year's Day. Take a good look at your screen. Are those aliens walking in front of Bayside Marketplace in downtown Miami? Online conspiracy theorists are saying that shadowy figure, not far from parked Miami police cars, appears to be an alien. Uh, honestly, I think it looks pretty real to me. Uh, alien look pretty chill. Yeah, I'd be friends with an alien. I think it'd be pretty cool. The viral video was allegedly taken during that massive police presence at Bayside on New Year's Day. Crowds of young people armed with sticks began fighting. Police say juveniles were also setting off fireworks that some believed was gunfire, resulting in chaos. There's a big crowd of people running out of Bayside and kind of um, grouping up outside. And then we hear more commotion, and now they're all just running through the streets, running between cars, almost getting hit by cars. It was like absolute chaos. Now, rumors are circulating on social media saying police weren't there to handle a group of rowdy teens, but rather eight to ten feet tall shadow aliens. But the real question is, are they friendly? Are they after us? Are they going to attack us? Are they going to do world domination on us? Who knows, man? The phrases Miami Mall and aliens in Miami have been among the top 10 searches on Twitter's trending tab. And Google News even has several reports questioning the event. Miami police saying in part, there were no aliens, UFOs or ETs. No airports were closed. No power outages. The statement ended with a facepalm emoji. That's what they're going to say. <laughs> All right, that's the official report. Um, We've got a tweet from somebody there in Miami. Doc, would you read it, please? Sure. 60-plus cop cars, black helicopters, power cut off, police scanner cut off. That is true. The police scanner was cut off. All because of juveniles fighting with sticks. Reports of 7- to 10-foot creatures, aliens walking around inside and outside the Bayside Marketplace and Mall. People shooting at them to protect themselves. Uh, and so... Uh, this is the kind of tweet that you saw being put out there and everything. Uh, police were all over Bayside. We have additional video here uh, that shows what are these things that are walking in front of the mall there. This is a little bit clearer video than the CBS uh, report. Uh, we'll see that zoomed in here in just a moment. Uh, where something, some kind of shadowy figure is in front of the Bayside mall. And uh, look at the police. Doc, look how many police are responding. To, You're telling to me kids that with many sticks. I don't believe it. I don't believe it either, Rick. So, uh, now there's uh, this is uh, some of that zoomed there in is. footage right there at the top of the screen it? there. What is it? I have no idea. You can't make it out. It's definitely not human. It's bigger than human. It's as big as a car and appears to be walking. So what can it be? But that's not the only video that we have. We also have some video of inside the Bayside Mall. Not very clear, but three to four individuals uh, of extreme height uh, inside the mall itself. Uh, 
happened. So something very, very strange was going on at Bayside Mall on New Year's Day. What it was, who knows exactly, but definitely some very strange video coming out of Miami here over this past week. The news has finally caught up with everything here over this past week, and I saw it for the first time this past Friday night. And uh, it's, you know, this is one of those stories. It's, uh, hey, it's 2024, Rick. Why not aliens? Hey, I let's uh We've got a, 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 a eyewitnesses account of what happened, and um, Doc, I'm going to let you take over. I, I'm going to I'm going to check out at this point, okay. and I, I need to go back to the uh, hospital to uh, pick up Susan. All right. So uh, we do have a little portion of uh, an interview that someone gave as an eyewitness here. Let's watch just a few uh, seconds of it here as we uh, uh, close out this hour of True News. Because. Yeah, I, you know, I originally thought that they were shooting. You know what I'm saying? I thought, you know, some type of um, gunfight had broke out, whatever the case is. Because, you know, we're not familiar with Miami. We're not familiar with the city. So I'm like, damn, I ain't even got my blick. So, you know what I'm saying? We about to, we about to, we about to swerve. Next thing I know, it's like crazy. Like, we just see all these people running. Like, you know, uh, fat, fat, fat chicks, you know, old ladies. Like, I'm talking about moving. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo old people even move i'm talking about moving so you know my girl she's like what's going on i'm like well off we out like i'm not gonna ask no questions we just gonna follow the crowd next thing you know you know real like gunshots start going off so you know what i'm saying like we trying to we trying to follow the follow the crowd get out of there i look back i look back no cap yo no cap i look back it looked like 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 a big shadow but it was solid at the same time like a few like a few shadows God's people are smarter than ants. Even ants know it's wise to store food. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provides her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. I'm Dr. Robert A. Schuler, and I'm on a mission to encourage Christian families to prepare for tough times. That's why I'm endorsing American Reserves. American Reserves can help you build a food storehouse like Joseph in Egypt. American Reserves offers emergency food packages for a month or full year. Buckets of freeze-dried beef and chicken, assorted vegetables and fruits, and powdered eggs are ready for quick delivery. A panic can cause store shelves to be emptied in hours. Be wise. Be ready. Order food at AmericanReserves.com. Are you concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. Receive Genesis Gold Group's free definitive gold guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD. You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter.
Welcome back to the second hour of True News. Morning Man is coming up here in a few moments as we continue our study in the book of Matthew. We're only on verse 1. We've been on verse 1 for two days. And so what we want to talk to you about right now is, of course, our sponsor, American Reserves. And they've been such a great help to us here. And uh, we encourage you to go visit the AmericanReserves.com website for the latest that uh, they're offering. Right now, if you place an order of $199 or more, you get free shipping. And so we want to encourage you to check out what you need as far as preparedness food, preparedness supplies, uh, water, radios, everything that you can think of as it relates to emergency preparedness, not just for the end of the world, not just for World War III, but for, hey, there's a snowstorm going on in the northern plains. Do, do, were you prepared for that? There's major storms coming through Florida this afternoon where potential power outages are going to be in place. So, Emergencies can happen anytime and take on uh, various uh, facets, just uh, a grid situation that uh, your power could be down for a few days. Would you have the food and uh, means necessary to have uh, everything that you need? Of course, uh, on the American Reserve site, we have the uh, Burkefield water filter uh, with the uh, ceramic filters inside, not the cheap uh, carbon ones that come out of China, but these are high quality water filters. These are the top of the line. These are the best that in class, if you will. And of course, uh, we also have various uh, different types of kits available on American Reserves. This is the backpack kit that's available right now. With a, If you're looking for a very basic supply, the backpack kit that's on the American Reserve site is a great way to start. And it has some very basic things like an emergency blanket, first aid kit, uh, basic water filter equipment, uh, some basic food items in here. This is, would be a great starter set for someone. And so, okay, so... Uh, so that would be a great opportunity for you to uh, give as a gift to somebody to, that is looking to get started in preparedness for themselves and their family. Now, what our staff has done today is they have gone and they have actually prepared some American Reserves food. Now, I've prepared the American Reserves food myself, but you need to know this is really good. Oh, these are the pinto beans here, and they're really good, almost as good as when I made it. The ground beef here. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Guys, this is just as good to eat as anything else. Remember, in, in the past, preparedness food had this, uh, you know, idea that it was freeze-dried and you had to melt something or burn something or, uh, you know, and by the time you reconstituted, it was soggy and tasteless and like cardboard. No, this is a whole different level of uh, preparedness food. It's great. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, as I've said, I've prepared this at home myself. Hmm. Oh, that sauce is wonderful. And with the uh, beef and beans, I mean, it's like a taco dinner right there. And so I encourage you, go to AmericanReserves.com. Check out the various levels of preparedness that you can take advantage of. Start with the basics, build from there, and then just add a little bit at a time. There's something for everyone's budget, whether it's food, whether it's supplies, whether it's uh Radios, shortwave radios, which we have available. What are you going to do when the communication system goes down? And the only means of communication might be shortwave radio. You'll be ready. You'll be prepared. And, of course, you can't do anything without water. 
You need water. This should be the basic building block of everything that you do in emergency preparedness because without quality water, you can't prepare preparedness food. You can't sustain yourself for any length of time. And you need water to make coffee. And I'm not going to go through the apocalypse without coffee. I'm telling you that right now. So AmericanReserves.com, that's where you need to go to find out the latest and uh, the best information for the uh, uh, resources that we have available to help you and your family prepared for whatever emergency might happen to come along. And just a reminder, once again, any order over $199, you get free shipping. That's right. You get free shipping. Any order over $199, you get free shipping. That's at AmericanReserves.com. Shelf-stable emergency food, easy to prepare, high-quality and great-tasting preparedness food. That's at AmericanReserves.com. American-made, American-ready, American Reserves. That's what you need to know. All right. Well, folks, uh, we had a, been having a great time with uh, Morning Man over the past few months. Finished the book of Acts last week. And finally, we're into the book of Matthew. And we started uh, Matthew chapter 1 yesterday. And so we've only been in verse number 1 yesterday and today, and Rick and I have been uh, deep diving into this verse, and it is just full and overflowing with information and spiritual encouragement that you need to hear about. So stay tuned here with us. Join Rick and I as we go through uh, this study of Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and I'll see you after Morning Manor. The disciples asked Jesus about the end of the age. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you aren't troubled. For all this must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, plagues, and earthquakes in many places. I'm Dr. Robert A. Schuler, and I'm on a mission to encourage Christian families to prepare for tough times. That's why I'm endorsing American Reserves. American Reserves can help you build a food storehouse like Joseph in Egypt. American Reserves offers emergency food packages for a month or full year. Buckets of freeze-dried beef and chicken, assorted vegetables and fruits, and powdered eggs are ready for quick delivery. A panic can cause store shelves to be emptied in hours. Be wise. Be ready. Order food at AmericanReserves.com. Let's pray, and then we'll have Doc do the extensive reading of the Word. Um, Verse 1, Father, our Heavenly Father, Father, we pray in the glorious name of Jesus. We thank you for this awesome day that we are alive and saved and in your family, and that we can call you Father. We ask for the precious Holy Spirit to guide us today in the study of your word and illuminate our hearts and minds so that we would see Jesus more clearly, draw closer to him and see and understand the glory of his kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. As Rick said, here we go. Ready? Matthew chapter one, verse one. Once again, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's it. All right. There's a lot to unpack in 
that one sentence. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Today, I'm going to focus on the tent of David. In 2 Samuel, and I, I mentioned this yesterday, we learned that God promised David that he would make David's name great, establish a home for Israel, protect the people of Israel, give rest to David from his enemies, establish a house for David through his offspring, and never remove God's love from David and his offspring. We also learned that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's promises to King David. In heaven, God checked off the list. Done, 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 finished, finished. He did it all. Don't believe these Christian Zionists who are telling you that the church has to be raptured and taken out of the way so God can fulfill his promises to Abraham. Absolutely not. He has already fulfilled his promises. What else can he do besides give his only begotten son, Jesus Christ? What is greater? They're trying to tell you that land is more important than Jesus. Yes, that's exactly that a political kingdom is more important than a heavenly kingdom. So in, in this next part of our lesson on Matthew 1, verse 1, we will study the tent of David. God prophesied through prophet Samuel to David. This is 2 Samuel, verse 7, excuse me, chapter 7, verse 16. And thy house and thy kingdom shall be made sure forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Samuel told David that his house and his kingdom shall be made sure forever. His throne shall be established forever. Jews and Christian Zionists interpret that promise to mean that God would establish a Jewish dynasty through David that would rule the world someday. Well, the one who will rule the world someday is Jesus Christ. Yes. Christian Zionists also interpret Samuel's reference to King David's house as meaning the temple that was built by Solomon, David's son. The house of David means the line of Davidic descendants. It means that God had a father-son relationship with David, and he promised David that his love of David would be steadfast throughout the ages, even, through, even though the sins of David's descendants would produce consequences. Yes. And that's one of the unique features about studying this particular genealogy in that even though the the throne and the kingdom of David is exalted, 
you know, going through the genealogy here in the first uh, section, it pulls no, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't hold anything back. It doesn't say that David was perfect or even that Abraham was perfect, but that God's perfection was made true through the promises that he made to Abraham and to the promises that he made to David. That's right. That's right. The prophets, the Old Testament prophets, could see the day when the Messiah would come to Israel. He would be born into the house of David, his family line. David's father was Jesse. Isaiah prophesied that there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Jeremiah prophesied, this is chapter 23, verses 5 and 6, Behold, the days come, says Yahweh, that I will raise to David a righteous branch. Yes. And he will reign as king and deal wisely and will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. This is his name by which he will be called. Yahweh, our righteousness. Yes. Now, who does that fit? Well, the Zionist. that name? Right. Only Jesus. Now, the Zionists and Christian Zionists would say that this is some future thing that's going to happen. That this is something yet to be fulfilled. And yet, we see the complete fulfillment in Jeremiah's prophecy here in Christ itself. We're in that kingdom now. Jesus is ruling and reigning now. Jesus is on the throne of David right now. And that's something that the Zionists and Christian Zionists don't recognize. He is our righteousness. Yes. He is our righteousness right now. He is our king now. The miraculous birth of Jesus in Bethlehem was the fulfillment of all the prophecies about the future Messiah. It's the heart of the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33, we read Angel Gabriel's conversation with young Mary. Verse 26, this is again the gospel according to Luke. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin pledged to be married to a man whose name was Joseph of David's house. Yes. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, you highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled at the saying it and considered what kind of salutation this might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and his and shall call and and, and shall name him Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. Yes. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Pretty black and, and white. He, there. there it is. It's in black and white. The angel Gabriel told Mary, God will give your son the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. There will be no end to his kingdom. Is there a thousand year millennial kingdom? His kingdom shall have no end. Right. And it already started. We're in it now. Let's study two more prophecies that God spoke to David through Isaiah and Amos. In these prophecies, God did not speak of a house, but of a tent of David. And we'll start with Isaiah chapter 16, verse 5. And in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. Old Testament prophecies often had two aspects. First, the prophets spoke to the people about their immediate age concerning things that they were facing or were about to face. And then second, their utterances sometimes included prophecies about the Messiah, the last days, or the eternal kingdom. In other words, these Old Testament prophets would be speaking to the people about something that was in the near future. And, and then the prophet would look out into the far distant future to the last days and, and include in that prophecy something about the kingdom of God in the last days. And so that's, that's what Isaiah did in this prophecy. So we have to put Isaiah 16, verse 5, into historical context. In Isaiah 15 and 16, Isaiah was prophesying about the plight of the Moabites right. who were under attack from the north, most likely Assyria. And Isaiah wept as he saw the people fleeing, such as we're witnessing today in Gaza. There had already been much bloodshed and suffering, but Isaiah prophetically saw that more was to come. In desperation, Moab's leaders sent an urgent request to Jerusalem, asking the Judean leaders to allow Moab's fleeing refugees to enter Judah. Just like the Gazans are trying, wanting to get into Egypt. With the request, they sent a gift of lambs as an expression of appreciation for the help that they hoped to receive. Yes. They turned to Zion, the city representing the Davidic dynasty in the kingdom of Judah. They turned for counsel and refuge. 
The Moabites were so terrified of their approaching enemy that they implored Zion to provide them with protection and concealment to shield them from their adversaries. Isaiah's prophetic eyes looked into the distant future and saw the age of the Messiah who had come to sit on David's throne. Oh, that's good. Isaiah 16.5, in the authorized King James Version, and in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. The tent of David signifies the the continuation and restoration of the Davidic dynasty, which includes the promise of a righteous and just ruler who will reign on the throne of David. The words, and in mercy, it means that the the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. His throne would not be established by mercy, but in mercy. God would not establish the throne by mercy, but in mercy. So uh, what's the difference there, Rick? Well, if I do something because I've had mercy on you, that's by mercy. The throne will be established in mercy. Mercy will be perpetual, eternal. The the throne itself will be mercy. The throne is, is merciful. The mercy seat. The mercy seat, yes. We have the character of a king who c- cannot fail to be a blessing to his people. And in mercy means the establishment of a righteous and just rule, which is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The throne symbolizes the authority and kingship that Christ will hold. The words, one will sit on it in truth, emphasizes that the ruler on the throne will be characterized by truth and integrity. He will be truth. He will be truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. He is truth. He's not just truthful. He is truth. Yes. There is no lie in him. But the devil is the father of lies. In the tent of David signifies that this righteous ruler will be a descendant of David. It connects... This prophecy to 2 Samuel 7, 13, with the expectation that the Messiah will come from the line of David. And judging, seeking justice, and swift to do righteousness means that this ruler will govern with justice, seeking to establish what is right and fair. The emphasis is on the ruler's commitment to righteousness and swift action in achieving it. In other words, this is a judge who is 
totally committed to righteousness, to fairness, to justice, and he's quick to make a ruling. He does. This is not a judge who postpones his rulings. He pounds that gavel quickly to bring justice and fairness and righteousness because his throne is about those things. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Amos 9, verse 11. In that day, I will raise up the tent of David who is fallen and close up its breaches. And I will raise up its ruins and I will build it as in the days of old. Amos 9.11 serves as a promise of hope and restoration in a context where judgment and punishment are pronounced upon Israel for their sins. In this verse, God declares that on a future day, he will set up the fallen hut, the tabernacle of David. The, the tabernacle of David symbolizes the royal house of David and its kingdom. Yes. It had been established during the reign of King David. It reached its zenith under King Solomon. However, over time, the kingdom split into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom was eventually conquered and carried into exile by the Assyrians while the southern kingdom of Judah suffered its own period of decline and exile. The tabernacle of David symbolizes the house of David, the royal line descended from David. It, this prophecy has both historical and messianic significance. Historically, it refers to the return of the Jews from their captivity, their resettlement in Judea the rebuilding of Jerusalem after the Bab Babylonian exile, the house of David had fallen into a state of weakness and obscurity. See, the Christian Zionists will say, this is in the future, right? The, G the Jews are going to return. This already happened. It happened a long time ago. Yes. However, God promised to raise it up, repair the breaches and rebuild it as it was in the days of old. The promise in Amos 9.11 says that God will intervene to raise up the fallen Davidic dynasty. Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy. Through his birth, life, death, resurrection, <clears throat> Jesus restored and established God's kingdom. He is considered the rightful heir to the throne of David. And his reign is eternal. And if everyone recalls from our study in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, the prophet Simeon refers to Amos 9-11 here as being mm -hmm. fulfilled in Christ, that the tabernacle yes. of David had been restored through Christ. It's Amen. not some future event. It happened in Jesus' day. Jesus is the tabernacle of David. Amen. This prophecy finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, who is the true son 
of David, the one through whom God establishes his kingdom, closes the breaches in humanity's relationship with God. What does that mean? The angels sang to the shepherds in Bethlehem, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It is a time of reconciliation. God is reconciling mankind with himself. There was a breach. The relationship was breached. Man was cut off from God, but God yearned, desired, waited for the day that he could restore the relationship with mankind. But there had to be a way to do it. The way was to send his son to earth to become a human. And so when we enter into Christ, we are restored with God. The breach is restored. It is, it is, it is through faith in Jesus Christ that, that your relationship with your maker is healed. It isn't about the stupid walls in Jerusalem being put up again. It's about humans being restored to Almighty God. Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of this prophecy, is the tabernacle of David that right. God raises up. Through Christ, God closes the breaches, raises up the ruins, establishes his kingdom as it was in the days of David's glory. The Messianic aspect of this prophecy underlines the central role of Jesus in God's plan of redemption for both Jews and Gentiles. I want to tell you something, folks, I, and I don't remember exactly the, the time. I'm going to say, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, the Holy Spirit began speaking this prophecy to me when I would pray and ask the Lord, what he desired me to do for him, he would give me this prophecy. And, Doc, I couldn't understand it. I mean, I, I just didn't, it just, my brain had too much, I still had too much garbage in it from Christian Zionism. I right. couldn't understand, what are you saying to me, Father? Oh, I'm asking you about, what do you want the, this ministry you've given me, what do you want me to do? And he kept talking to me about restoring the breaches, the, uh, bringing, you know, raising up the ruins. Now I understand it. This is the purpose of the church. This is the purpose of every ministry. But that Christian Zionism garbage clouds our thinking. Yes. And it hinders us from doing the ultimate desire of the Lord. The Messianic aspect of this prophecy says that Jesus Christ has a plan of redemption for Jews and Gentiles, for the whole world. Amos 9, 11, 
Folks, we're still teaching about Matthew 1.1, son of David, son of Abraham. Amos 9.11. What was the What was the scripture? In that day, I will raise up the tent of David, who has fallen, and close up its breaches, and I will raise up its ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. That's the scripture the Lord kept giving me 10, 15 years ago when I prayed for guidance. It proves that God's plan has been continuous throughout history. Yes. God's promises are not forgotten or abandoned, but are fulfilled in due time, often in ways that surpass human understanding. The promise of the tabernacle of David being rebuilt, as in the days of old, highlights the unity of believers in Christ Through faith in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles become part of this restored tabernacle of David, united in worship and service to God. You see, this is, a, this is the desire of God, that the Jews will come to Christ, that they will stop rebelling, that they will submit and come to him and come into the church. You have these so-called Messianic Jews who will not call themselves Christians who are saying, no, you Gentiles, you need to come into the Messianic synagogue. No, we don't. We, We need to come together in the church of God. Neither Jew nor Gentile. How, how much more plain can it be, Rick, really? I don't know, Doc. It's so simple. It, it's so simple to see the Father's desire. It's all he's trying to do is get his family together. Yes. It's always, he's just a dad who wants his family to come home. Eternal kingdom. That's the reference to re, to building it as in the days of old. It, it suggests not only the restoration of David's kingdom, but the establishment of an eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ. That kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, transcends temporal boundaries. It endures forever. It fulfills God's ultimate purpose. Now, Let's talk about the temple versus the church. The tabernacle is used metaphorically to represent the days of humility and simplicity in Israel. The temple represents grandeur. Yes. The tabernacle is used to suggest a state of outward poverty under God's protection. The temple is associated with is a is associated with 
wealth power associated with God. The temple, I mean, the, the, the tabernacle, the emphasis is on God. We're poor. God is protecting us. The temple says we're rich and we're honoring God. Yes. See, the temple is God is man saying, look, God, look what we built for you. Look at this. Isn't this fantastic? Look at these buildings. The, the tabernacle says, look at God. Isn't he fantastic? Right. He protects us. See, in the temple, you can't see God. In the, in the, in the tabernacle, he's all you can see. Right. And another big difference between the two, the temple, it was made of stone, uh, stones hewn by man, cut by man, whereas the tabernacle was a, a building of flesh. I mean, that's what yes. it was. The tabernacle was made of skins, you know, uh, and the outer covering was skins. Uh, and so it was a flesh dwelling. And that even means there had to be the shedding of blood. That's right. And there had to be the shedding of blood to create the tabernacle. And Jesus himself becomes that tabernacle. John 1 1 says, and John chapter 1 says that he was the word and the word dwelt. And that word dwelt there is actually translated tabernacled among us. So Christ himself, the shedding of his blood, he is the covering. He is that skin covering place of worship uh, that is the tabernacle. It's really beautiful. I mean, really, it really is. Uh, Amos' prophecy bypasses the Jerusalem temple entirely. Yes, while the temple was the central religious institution in Israel, the restoration mentioned in the prophecy is not about rebuilding the temple, but rather about a spiritual restoration associated with humility and simplicity. Folks, you got to get this. You get, this is really important when you read Amos. In that day, I will raise up the tent of David. It didn't say, I'm going to raise up Solomon's temple. Amen. You got it. This is the point. This is what I want you to see. It's not a prophecy of a third temple. God's going to raise up the tent of David. Well, there's no glory in a tent. There's no pride in a tent. <laughs> who, who wants to boast of a tent? But that's what people want. They, they want a temple. They want, a, they want to rebuild a temple in Jerusalem. These, these Christian Zionists like Bob Jeffries and, and John Hagee and, and David Jeremiah, they want a temple built in Jerusalem. God says there's going to be a tent. And it's not in Jerusalem. It is the church. You know, and, and the Lord himself said through the prophet Isaiah, said, God dwelleth not in temples made with hands. The heaven is my throne. Uh, the earth is my footstool. What kind of building are you going to build for me? What building on earth can contain me? Uh, and where is the place of my rest? His place of rest was the tabernacle, not the temple. And yet religious people insist. 
That's okay, God. We're still going to build a temple for you. <laughs> That's right. You don't know what you're talking about, God. Yes. You get your. You have your opinion. We have ours. We're building a temple. But get, folks, you got to understand the real motivation behind the drive to build a third temple has nothing to do with God. It has to do with Lucifer. You got it. It is a Masonic project. The third temple is a Freemason project. They don't have any desire to honor God at all. It's about masonry. Okay, so that's another teaching. The tent represents humility and simplicity. It bypasses the Jerusalem temple. The restoration is not about rebuilding the temple, but about building a humble, simplistic tent. The restoration of the tabernacle of David points to the establishment of the church of Christ, which is the fulfillment of the prophecy. The church is the tabernacle. Yes. Living stones. That f- yes. flesh covering. Once again, that's the tabernacle. It, it, it is a place of fellowship with God and communion among believers. Doc, why did the why did the Israelites go to the tent? What was the purpose of the tabernacle? That was where God dwelled. That was where He was. That's where He manifested Himself. The cloud by day, the fire by night, followed the tabernacle. And it's where they went to repent of their sins, yes, and to find mercy and forgiveness. It is the church. The house of David is described as fallen and in a state of decay and weakness. This tells us that salvation would come not through human strength, but through divine intervention. God himself would raise up the fallen house of David. It was in disrepair. It was in decay and weakness because of humans. Therefore, Humans can't fix it. They're the cause of its decay. The, the, the source of something, of, of a problem, is not the source of the solution. <laughs> There's a reference in this prophecy to Acts chapter 15. Verses 16 through 18. We studied Acts. You'll remember this. It refers to this passage from Amos as a prophecy fulfilled in the building of the church. It supports the idea that the restoration of the tabernacle symbolizes the establishment of the church in Christ. Now, remember, it's just been a few, what, a month or so ago, the I don't know, two months ago, we were in Acts chapter 15. Barnabas and Paul went to Jerusalem to report to the church about God opening the church to Gentiles. Remember that? Yes. Remember the meeting in Jerusalem? Barnabas and Paul. Chapter 15 of Book of Acts, verse 12. Then all the multitudes kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. 
verse 13 and 14 through 18. After and after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Doc, listen. Mm. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. Right. And I will build again the ruins thereof and will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Now, does that make more, does that have more meaning to you today than it did a month or two ago when we studied chapter 15 of the book of Acts? Yes. Do you now understand why James quoted Amos and he also mentioned Simeon? James, the bishop of the Jerusalem church, when he had heard the report of what God was doing with the Gentiles, said, men and women of the church of Jerusalem, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Amos. The tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, God is building it up. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. So what was the purpose of the restoration of the tabernacle? To bring in all of humanity. You got it. Every race, every tribe, every ethnic group. It is open to everybody. There are only two races in the world, saved and unsaved. Glory. Skin color doesn't matter. National origin doesn't matter. You're either saved or unsaved. The Amos prophecy does not predict a temporal restoration of the physical kingdom of David in the land of Israel. No. That's what the Christian Zionists are teaching. They are teaching, they're taking Amos and saying this is proof that God is going to build a nation of Israel in Palestine. The prophecy focuses on the universal reign of Jesus Christ from his throne in heaven. And it it tells us that there will be an inclusion of Jews and Gentiles in the church. In the tent of David will be both Jews and Gentiles. Right. Back then, in those days, Gentiles could not go into the tent of David. Yes. They can now. Christian Zionists interpret Amos 9-11 as meaning that the Jews will regain control of Palestine and reestablish the kingdom of David. They're promoting a secular racial restoration of Israel. And my friends, if you would follow what John Hagee and these Jack Hibbs and these people 
on the Christian Zionists, if you follow what they're teaching their churches in the past three months with the war in Gaza, they are saying Israel must kill these Palestinians. Yes. Because it is a fulfillment of prophecy that they would overtake Palestine. Right. That's what they're teaching. It's blasphemy. It's using the word of God to to justify genocide. And it is also denying the reign of Jesus Christ. Because they're saying he's not going to reign until Israel, the Jews, have control of Palestine. Therefore, we got to kill all these people. Yeah, they're standing in the way a, of Jesus reigning. Think what how a horrible, what a horrible doctrine. These ideas do not align with the nature of God's true Israel. True Israel encompasses all who believe in Jesus Christ, regardless of race or nationality. Amos's prophecy is entirely about the church of Jesus Christ. And you think about it, Apostle Paul told the Jews in Rome that he was a prisoner because of the hope of Israel. Was he a prisoner of the hope of Israel, the political state? Or was he... <laughs> Or was what was the hope of Israel? Paul was talking about the Messiah. Yes, and think of how ridiculous that that is. Imagine if we tried to take what they believe about that today and apply it to Paul. Paul was saying, "I uh, I am be I was arrested because I believe in the restoration of the political state of Israel." Yes. That, yes. He did that's, not what, that's exactly that. what he would be saying. It's crazy. All right, I got, I got one more thing I want to share with you about Matthew 1.1, and then tomorrow we'll go to verse 2. <laughs> <laughs> Have you enjoyed verse 1? Uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. One day, the Pharisees privately discussed how they would trip up Jesus while he was teaching his followers. Jesus perceived their wickedness and tossed them a verbal grenade. They shut their mouths and went away. Then came the Sadducees with the same silly scheme. They hit Jesus with trick questions about divorce and the resurrection of the dead, and Jesus shut them down too. Later that same day, the Pharisees came back for another dose of truth. And one of them, a lawyer, this time they brought a lawyer. <laughs> they were going to get him this time. Hey, we're, we're going back and we're going to get a lawyer. <laughs> Sounds like today, doesn't it? It does. You, you'll have to talk to our legal counsel now. So the lawyer attempted to tempt Jesus by asking him a trick question about the greatest commandment in the law. So you got to you got to picture the scene. They went back 
town. They got a lawyer. They said, man, you've got to come up with the craftiest, sneakiest trick question you can possibly think of. If you were in court, how would you get him? So the Jewish lawyer asked him a trick question about the greatest commandment in the law. And Jesus smacked it down with a cool answer by saying that all the law and the prophets hang on loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Then it was Jesus' turn to ask them a question. Jesus said, what do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They knew that the Christ meant the anointed one, the Messiah. They answered Jesus by saying, of David. Then Jesus had a question for them based on Psalm 110. How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? This is found in Matthew 22. Matthew recorded, no one was able to answer him a word. Neither did any man dare ask him any more questions from that day forward. He that was the last day they had a trick question. Yes, he shut down the Jewish lawyer. <laughs> he did. Their silence was a revelation of their misconception of God's promised Messiah. They envisioned a reincarnated like King David, a political king, a military leader, right. who would lead an army of Jews against the Roman army. But Jesus is the son of King David. But he is more than David's son. He is David's Lord. And when you grasp that truth, you'll solve all your political troubles. If Jesus is only David's son... He cannot be David's Lord. Yes. Humanly, Jesus descended from David's lineage, son of David, son of Abraham. Yet it was Jesus who formed David's body in his mother's womb. And it yes. was Jesus who gave David a soul. Before David was an embryo, God's only begotten son in heaven chose David to be his future human ancestor on earth. Try to wrap your mind around that thought. The Pharisees' silence revealed their misunderstanding of the resurrection also. If the Messiah is David's Lord, the doctrine of the resurrection is much easier to accept because it means David's Lord, who is also his son, will rule over an everlasting kingdom. Right. So there, there's no need to worry and wonder about your loved ones who passed away from this world. If the Messiah is ageless, his disciples will inherit eternal life. The King Jesus Christ is... He is both David's son and David's Lord. Yes. Um, I think, Doc, at that point, I, 
I think I'll wrap it up because uh, we're almost at the one hour mark and tomorrow we'll start lesson, the next lesson, and it will be uh, Abraham's seed is what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Okay. All right. And it's going to be as rich as what we just experienced for the past two days. Well, Rick, this has been an enlightening study today, and we've been getting a lot of great comments here throughout the uh, time that we've been together. And so thank you so much, all of you, for participating with us. 22 countries today, Rick, checking in with us, and over 350 people joining us for this uh, Bible study, 8 a.m. weekday mornings. Morning Manna is what it's called. And if you ever miss it, and if you're listening to this on our live stream in the afternoons on social media or on WWCR right now. You can always join us live each weekday morning at 8 a.m. on faithandvalues.com. You have to be a member. You have to join. But when you do join, you can listen to us live each weekday morning at 8 a.m. You can also participate in this Bible study with your questions, your comments, in fellowship with uh, one another from all over the world. And so we appreciate you joining us for that. Also remind you each weekday at 12 noon, Uh, Rick and I look at the world news headlines on True News, and we invite you to join us for that each weekday afternoon from 12 to 2. And that's heard on WWCR International Shortwave, truenews.com, here on faithandvalues.com, and uh, various social media outlets, too. And you can always listen to the archives here on Faith and Values as well. All right. Well, Rick, before we close out today, any final uh, words or thoughts before uh, we uh, let everyone go to uh, tell the yes. world about Jesus? Yeah. So uh, in a few minutes, uh, I'm going to be driving Susan to the hospital and she will be uh, uh, receiving a procedure at uh, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So your prayers are, are requested. Um, the, the doctor is actually hoping that he's going to be able to actually go into her kidney and and clean out a lot of uh, of the stones that are there so um i i was under the impression that it was just going to be uh some laser blasting of the stones that had dropped but uh, he's he's telling susan he's he's going to make an effort to to uh, remove as many stones from her kidney as possible so um she'll probably uh this will be several hours okay so um I will um, I will be doing true news from the hospital today. I've never done that before, Doc. Right. That's so. going to be that's going to be different. Um, well, Rick, uh, we're all going to be praying for Susan, of course, and uh, you cannot tell me that three hundred plus people around the world praying for Susan isn't going to make a difference. I believe it. Yes. Will. And so yes. let's pray for a complete and speedy recovery for Miss Susan, and to uh, give wisdom to the uh, health professionals in uh, dealing with this issue so Miss Susan doesn't have to deal with it anymore. That's right. Amen. Appreciate everybody's prayers. All right, everyone. Well, on that note, we're going to give Rick leave here so he can take care of his uh, uh, assignment here today, and that's loving Miss Susan. And uh, so we encourage you, join us each and every weekday morning, 8 a.m. here for Morning Manna. We'll see you tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, here on Morning Manna. God bless you. God bless, everybody. Bye-bye. And just a quick update on Miss Susan. Uh, this is live here at, uh, approaching 2 p.m. in the afternoon, Eastern Time. Uh, she is still in surgery, and so your prayers are uh, continue to be asked for right now. 
so everyone be uh, praying for Miss Susan and for Rick uh, this afternoon. Everything goes well. Hey, uh, at the beginning of the hour here, we talked about this uh, emergency backpack. It has uh, 64 items in it, and this is for an individual for several days. includes all the food, uh, emergency blanket, first aid, cups, uh, everything. even includes water, packets of water. So even if you don't have the ability to filter water, it has water in it. It's available for $87.99 on the American Reserves com website so we encourage you to go there remember any order or 199 free shipping god bless we'll see you next time you're listening to wwcr international shortwave radio you can find true news on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m to 4 p.m eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m to 2 a.m eastern connect with us on rumble facebook x and getter for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.